This is the Spur Leadership Podcast. How did you all make the decision, or when did you make the decision, okay, I'm going full-time mitscoots, and I'm leaving advertising, and I'm this is this is the deal. We're going all in. How did that? How did y'all make that decision? That because uh, that's a painful, yeah, that's a hard. Because that line is different for everybody, but I know so many people that when they start a business or they start a church, for example, right. it's kind of like, okay, where do I decide I'm all in on this? Right, and there's not a plan B. No, and there's never a sweet spot. Right. A lot of people are always like, so like you worked and worked and worked, and then one day you just it's got to like. one thing if you've sold a company right. for a squillion dollars and you've got a nest egg right. to go, well, I'm going to go start another one. That's a different conversation altogether. Right. Or you've but, got like, you know, a, a bunch of funding or something that right. comes out. We were bootstrapped. Right. Each thing funded the next thing. Right. You know, and, and you're going to run out of time before you get paid, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And that, that was just a commitment that, that we had to make which was a real fun conversation with my in-laws, which was we had just gotten married not long after that, and they're, they're really down-to-earth, great people, but they're from East Europe, and they escaped East Europe. Not escaped, but they, they left very quickly uh, right after the Berlin Wall came down okay. in the fall of, of Soviet government, and uh, they came to the U.S. for that. You work, you get a great job, you do it, you make a life for yourself, and, and I'm telling my, my father-in-law, who's this hard polish could could have been you know tough dude um hey i'm gonna i'm gonna start a sock company <laughs> what do you think of that and better yet i'm gonna give away half of them right and then i'm gonna take care of your daughter absolutely are you excited for this and he thought i was a lunatic arguably and so there was uh definitely some 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 hurdles but see i jump. think that's the thing that those are the kind of conversations that nobody knows happened Right. And those are the conversations that I think are at the heart of the founding of a company like Mitscoots, mm-hmm. at the heart of people like you and Agata, who are going to do something to make a difference. And and they see your videos online and they see your Kickstarter campaigns and they're like, man, that's awesome. Right. They don't know about the conversation with the in-laws. Yeah. They don't know about those conversations that you and Agata have where – not that you're on different pages, but you have to work to get to the same place as husband and wife. Oh, yeah. And this is one of the things I've talked to so many people who have started companies, and the strain that it puts on marriages mm-hmm. is huge, largely because of the financial considerations. If the, if the money was taken care of, everything would be, you know, strawberry fields forever and rainbows and unicorns. But that's not the reality for most startups. Yeah. Well, for for the idea of the wife thing, because we still take meetings today, as we talk to other you know bigger groups or people that want to work with us, and it'll be she and I who she has a very she's a co-founder now. Right. We both do it. Uh, we're both doing it almost full time. Um, she still sees patients every once in a while because she's a very talented practitioner. But um, when we go in, they're like, "So you two work together? Yeah. And you started the company, but you're married, right? <laughs> Blows and still married, right? Minds." <laughs> Better now than ever before. Yeah. And and it's because I brought her into my thought and her, she brought me into hers. It, it, I see a ton of guys where they're like, when you start a business, it gets really contentious at home. With her. It's because she doesn't, she's not on board. She doesn't know 
why it's so important to you. Mm. And there's this chasm of communication between, yeah, but if we do this, we'll get here. But yeah, we need this right now. But if you both understand the importance and the long-term commitment it's going to take to get to this uh, capacity to have you know, a lifestyle that others can't because they're not willing to make the sacrifices or just won't, yeah. um, it, then you're on the same team. And then it becomes much more unified. And I, we wouldn't have done it if it wasn't together. Yeah. It would, yeah. Have, it would have never happened. And as far as the like, decision-making of like, when's that leap of faith, which is, which is what it is, it came down to um, uh, betting on the best of humanity is what it was because uh, our company was about helping people, not necessarily just making stuff. We have to make great stuff, great quality items and gear, but um, we did it so that we could help people. And so the bet wasn't on, did we make a good enough thing? It wasn't on how hard are we gonna be able to work? It wasn't on, do we know what we're doing? It was, do we trust that if people given the opportunity will make the right choice, will they and so that's what caused us to jump all in is that we wanted to preach to the highest common denom denominator and think the best of people um, and by doing that uh, we our company would ultimately be rewarded and succeed or uh, we would have made a poor assessment of the world and I think even right now uh, particularly with the elections and how everyone feels and a really uh, compromised way that is what gives me a lot of hope in mm. the day-to-day -day is that definitely do we go through like ups and downs it's it's a it's a, a hot mess wall-to-wall -wall sometimes but um inherently people are good i think yeah. sinned but good sure absolutely but i think what you said just saying i love what you said we made a bet or you said we we preached to the highest common denominator yeah. We're going to believe the best in people and play to that level mm. and and realize that not everybody does. Obviously, this isn't a pie-in-the-sky kind of a thing, right. but that's the level we're going to play to. And I think that's one of the reasons, because it's funny, Tim, I called you, and I was, I was a little late on this. I should have called you two weeks before I did to, <laughs> to set up this podcast. But I was thinking particularly on Veterans Day, mm -hmm. as a veteran, someone who's come out of the military and is making a difference with business right now, this is a story that needs to be told, that needs to be emulated, that needs to be fueled and, and needs to be replicated in a thousand different ways with somebody who may hear this podcast and go, what's my mid-scoots? What, what's my mid-scoots moment where I see a need but I've also got this unique set of gifts and experiences and education that I can put to work. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, you know, I was really upset with myself that I didn't think about calling you sooner than I did. And so that's one of the things that I think is so fascinating about Mitscoots. I think this is, this is a, not only a great business and not only something that is moving, moving our community and our nation forward, mm -hmm. but it's something that is a is an example for other people to follow. Yeah, and and that's why I think this this is this is why I'm excited about having this conversation and and having you know all of our millions of podcast listeners pick this up and run <laughs> with it. <laughs> now I'm nervous. Right? <laughs>
I think when when you, when you say that um, it's a good thing to emulate and that other people can do it, that is a question that I get sometimes. We'll, we'll have like a meeting with a, like a big retailer, and they're like, "Well, what's going to happen if somebody else comes along and they have a similar model?" Awesome, awesome, awesome. There's already like a thousand people that make the same dang thing, and it's for no reason. Right. That's the best world I'd ever want to live in. Is that everything you buy helps do something good for somebody else? That would be fantastic. Yeah. Best case scenario, I get put out of business because I never have somebody to give something to, and there's no right. longer homeless individuals that need to be hired. I, I've solved a social problem in the world. I can be the first human ever to go to bed knowing that I had that lasting impact. And oh. from a selfish perspective, it would look great on your resume because at that point you'd need another job. Yeah, right? <laughs> and you know what I would do? The next day I'd go out and I'd find the next problem that needs to be solved and no one with a hard business kind of trajectory is looking at it. Mm -hmm. When we have guys that come and want to work with us, whether in, they're in like accounting or we have somebody that is like, uh, was a stay-at-home mom but had a great degree and taught before you know they had kids and now they want to get back into the workforce and they're like I just don't know what to do but I have all these great skill sets you can do anything right there are so many other issues that exist out there that desperately need those skill sets it's not just like I go and help build a house for half an hour although that's a great thing to do right but I mean what do you do every day do you count do you talk do you do you lawyer um, can you do that for the right reasons, or yeah. can you do it just to get a, a paycheck? Right. And maybe you can do both. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. So, Mitscoots was founded in what year? Uh, 2012. 2012. Yeah, about the middle of 2012. So, just over four years old. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mind Don't you feel like that's a lifetime ago and it was yesterday? Yeah, mind-blowing. It's, I know you started your own, your own church, so it's... It's right there, as far as the memory goes. I don't think you ever get away from it. And then, and then you look at today, and I, I'm so glad that it is right there still. Yeah. Nobody else knows. Right. Other people just got there like six months ago. So like as we've added staff and, and stores and things like that, they're like, this has always been always, and it's great, right? And you're like, sure. Not so much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then we'll go back and look at some older photos and stuff. Let me ask you a question. Was there ever a time when you and Agata thought, this is probably not going to work. We're going to have to close the doors. Uh, that's more of a, a dynamic question in the sense of, did we ever think that? N no. No. No, honestly. I always knew that it would work. I didn't always know that I was going to be able to be the captain of that ship. I knew that this was a thing that mattered. It would exist. Somebody would do it. Maybe they'd be better at it, and that's why it would continue on. I didn't know that it was going to be me and her together at the front of that boat versus the boat existing. Okay. I knew that the boat would be there because it needed to be. It wasn't dictated by me to be like, this should come into existence. Did you it ever think that you or you and Agata might quit? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's a very dynamic thing is that the thing itself I thought should always be, and I thought somebody would make it a thing. But were we going to be the right ones to make it happen? That's a lot more of self-doubt, uh, you know, not 
not being the ideal version of yourself in every moment and getting caught up in a lot of the the negative ideas that 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 hanker at you after a while so yeah yeah there were there were moments where where we would think is this is this gonna move as fast as we need it to but but again we always wanted to preach to that highest common denominator and, and yeah. if we made a thing that was good we would be rewarded and be able to go and do good things with it versus telling people it's the best thing ever and you have to go do it right now yeah um yeah yeah and i would say that too argument it's still it's still every once in a while sure you still get that moments but um what do you do how do you personally process that because i think that's one of the most fascinating things as i've as i've looked back over you know the the lifespan of lake hills church where i get to pastor and and i've talked to other people who have started businesses like you have or people who have started churches or or whatever i've never talked to anyone who's done anything worth doing Mm -hmm. that hasn't thought about quitting at some point right Every single person that I've ever talked to has at least thought about what would it look like if I didn't do this. Right. How do you process through that? I look for it as a signal that I'm doing something right. Instead of seeing it as like, gosh, I don't know if this is going to work. This seems crazy. Uh, You know, I got crazy rolled eyes from my in-laws. I don't know. Am I making the right choice? (laughs) The the idea that it scares the crap out of you should be the reason why you want to push forward. And so when I see moments that do, when they scare me, it's because it is new and different and it has value and it's possibly untested and it's supposed to make you a little nervous because the idea is big enough to be new and and to be worth doing. And so when I do have those second guess moments where I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. That's me being scared. Mm. That's me having a moment of doubt. And in that moment, that's also when I know you are doing it for the right reason. Like, that's why this matters. It right. scares you because it's a big idea. And if it was just the same small, tiny idea, it'd be calm and easy and predictable. But because it's a little bit nerve-wracking and it makes me, you know, have a, a like a, a hinkle in the step kind of, uh, it lets me know that I'm moving in the right direction. Right. You know, one of the things that I have always marveled at over the four-plus year history of Mitsuko is you all do a phenomenal job of telling your story. And when I look at y'all on social media, mm-hmm. whether it be an Instagram, especially in Instagram and others, but you all have such a really, really well-defined voice right. as you tell your story. Talk about how you... Because I, I, I know that that doesn't happen accidentally. Right. Because you all kind of came of age as social media was coming of age. Right. Talk about how you build that voice. How did you develop and decide this is how we're going to tell our story on social media? I, well, my thought generally on that is not actually born in social media. It was born in having, again, Veterans Day uh, – been from the military is that you always had these guys that were working together and um it was really really quick and easy to identify which guys got listened to and which guys were worth listening to 
and everybody talked. Everyone had a thought or opinion about, like, we should do this or we should do that. And it's a lot of you know, guys and girls kind of being in that military world and just a lot of fluff talk and smoke and mirrors and stuff. But when it came time, who did you look at? Yeah. Oh, listen to him. That guy, you know, everybody talks, but when that guy talks, that matters, right? And it was born of substance. And social media people view as this like, oh, well, I can just say whatever all the time, right? Just yeah. because it seems easier, you're just shouting into an open space, you don't know who hears it or whatever, so it just gets a little more loose as far as social uh, cues as to like, that was a silly thing to say or whatever, it kind of gets more wide. And I don't think that's what social media is, it's just another avenue of communication. And if somebody was screaming about themselves all the time in a room full of people, nobody would want to listen to that person. And so the way that we've always approached any of our messaging as a company is not how does this company communicate, but who is the person that this company would represent? If this company was a, a person, mm -hmm. how do they talk? Do they try to talk to a thousand people at once or do they just want to talk to one person? So every time we write anything, anytime we talk about an event, uh, praise one of our employees for you know coming out of the situation they're in it's not meant to be a megaphone it's meant to be one person talking to one person about something that matters and as long as we have that check we find that a lot of that like crap just gets thrown aside yeah a lot of a lot of the just talking for the sake of talking goes away and you really end up with just like one or two really important things that you want to get across and and it and it solved itself as long as we see it as a genuine way to communicate with people and not uh, an extra soapbox to scream from right yeah. right do you currently do you do all of the social media or do you have employees who post and do that for you uh, we have employees that do and then we also have uh, now uh, agencies Okay. That, that they'll be the arbiters of some of the things that we say. And the hardest part of that is getting them to understand what I just told you. Because some other places will come in like Coca-Cola or other big companies and will say, just say things all the time. Just never, ever, ever, ever stop talking constantly. Just this bombardment of... of it's constant barrage. Of not, and it's just so saturating. It just like overwhelms everybody. Um, and to have to tell them, you know, say things that matter. Mm -hmm. And that these are what matter. And go. Go. And, and, and we really want to... So you've articulated a list for the agencies and employees who are going to be speaking for you on social media. Because you can't do it all now. Right. But you've articulated and said, these are the things that matter. Mm -hmm. Communicate this. These things. In a sense. Yeah. In a sense. Usually the... the the, the easiest litmus test whenever we're dealing with somebody who's like, I'm going to be the one writing tweets. Great. Um, write like five. Okay. Just hypothetically. Write me five that you would write for us when we leave the room. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Okay. Read that one out loud. Is that how you talk? Do you talk the way that you type that? No. Why did you type that? <laughs> would you ever say that to this person? No. Or would you respond favorably if you read that? Right. Do you care about the thing that you just... No, not really. Like, be honest. We, we have a really open dialogue, and I say, do you care about these five things? I don't really know what this second one means. This third one, uh, yeah, it's not 
doesn't really resonate with me. Great. Rewrite them. Write them so that you care. And it's such a simple evaluation that a lot of people don't look at. They think they're writing things for other people to like. And if you write something that you like, odds are you're a person that knows what is likable and other people may like it too. Or at the very least, it's honest. Yeah. Yeah. Likable isn't really the goal, but honesty. But it doesn't hurt. No. If you <laughs> are, but sometimes you have to say things that people maybe don't like. Absolutely. And maybe somebody's going to connect with that. And that's going to be this epiphany moment for a wider range of people that opens up a dialogue that can really help move the ball forward. Uh, we talk about homelessness. That's not always happy to hear. Right. And if I have to say something difficult, what I want to do is be honest about it. I don't want to depress anyone, although the situation is grave. But, you know, that heavy-handed stuff that you might see, the Sarah McLaughlin-y sad puppy dog, like, in arms opening, and then you just, <laughs> like, oh, next channel, man, I can't handle that today. I want to be real in those moments, but I, I don't want to dwell on the negative. I want to offer opportunity for hopeful advancement moving forward. See, and I think that's the key word. I think that word hope, especially, like you said, when you're, when you're addressing day in and day out, when you're addressing a subject like like homelessness, right? To infuse that message with hope mm-hmm. is so so powerful. Oh yeah, everybody else sees it as this real top down, like oh poor you. God, well, yeah, how do you handle this? But and and it's nice that you have awareness now, even Absolutely. that someone's in need. But super capable people. If given the opportunity and the structure uh, and, and maybe the patience can can absolutely achieve well beyond what you ever thought of them. Yeah. Uh, and that's not something to, to ignore. Um, say if somebody you just constantly are telling them with, uh, you know, co- reinforcement, all you can do is receive. Why would they ever want to provide? Right. So. And I think that's one of the things that we've seen as a church with with folks that we have maybe started out helping mm-hmm. but then given them an opportunity to be a part of the community right. and a part of our our church family not only do we we want them to be a part of it but they have something to offer and and there's something inside of all of us that needs to contribute yep. that needs to produce now somewhere along the way for for some time sometimes that that gets short-circuited, and that um, that circuiting uh, gets broken down. Mm-hmm. But the innate need is still there within all of us to produce and to contribute oh, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. And I think that's one of the things that Mobile Loves and Fishes and Alan Graham in particular, you know, Alan's one of my favorite people in the world, the founder of Mobile Loves and Fishes, mm-hmm. because... Yes, he's got a heart for the homeless, but his heart for the homeless extends beyond just a handout. Mm-hmm. His heart for the homeless is for them as a whole person, to see them as people who have something to offer and right. not just people who can receive something. Right. And sometimes it's all the way down at the end of that spectrum as a kick in the butt. And, and Alan's not afraid to do that. No. Like Alan's told me stories, and I, I'm, we're going to have him be a guest on the podcast. I know stories of Alan looking a guy in the eye and saying, I love you, and the police are coming to pick you up because you stole from me. Right. He said, the best way I can love him is let him do some time in the county pokey. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah. I, but that's one of the things I love about Alan. He goes, now, I also tell him, I want to be the first person you call when you get out. Right. And I will go pick you up and I'll bring you to come back to work for me. Oh, yeah. But you'll steal from me one time before I call the police on you. Oh, yeah. That, that, was, that was something that I, that again, I, I always saw in the military. When you get guys in, it, I, I love all the guys that I work with. It wasn't always cream of the crop, myself included. You know, you, you did it because you really wanted to give back, but maybe you didn't have a skill set. Maybe you didn't know what well, other some options. Some guys are there because they don't have another option. It's true. It's absolutely true. But everybody that's there has a job. Yeah. And everybody that's there finds a purpose or is given a purpose and thereby finds a purpose within that job. And they're held accountable. That's right. But they don't get fired. Right. They don't get immediately They don't kicked. get kicked to the curb and like, bye. Nope. Nope. Even the guy who was the absolute worst guy at doing any job ever would still find that he is a brilliant savant at supply management in the office uh, for paper and pens or something. Yeah. You know, you got to put somebody somewhere. And, yep. and, then, and the goal is not to force somebody to do something they're inherently bad at, but to find something that they're great at. And everybody's great at something. So. Given the opportunity. That's right. Given the they can be. They have to self-actualize, and we have to be able to help create you know, structures for them to yeah. want to self-achieve. But Tim, one of the things that I think is so interesting, when you, when you start a business literally from below grassroots, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you and Agata kind of created the root system for Mitscoots. Um, four years in now, I, I'm, I know that this business has taken turns and had ups and downs that you didn't see or couldn't have planned for. Mm -hmm. How has your strategy or even your business model changed and evolved over the years? Uh, the things that we've offered has somewhat changed. Um, the goal was always make a great thing, be able to help people to do great things with it, right? But the things and that we are offer, adamant about American-made, correct? We are. Okay. Yeah. It, it Tell was, me why. I know I'm interrupting you, but yeah. why? Why is that important to you? No, it's important because it's kind of contradictory for me to say I'm going to hire you know this gentleman off the street because he needs it, but I don't really know where my things come from. You know, they might be under compromised circumstances or whatnot. Uh, but also, really, because the opportunity was here, the opportunity to make things was here. Yes, you can make lots of things over there. Uh, you could make things over here, but it would take a little bit of difficulty. Yeah, but can we make more things here? Could I make a lot more things here? Yeah, I don't know why you want to. Why would I not want to? Well, it costs just a little bit more. Yeah, but is it better? Uh-huh. Yeah, make that thing. Yeah. I want the better thing. I don't want the thing that has this forced obsolescence to it where mm -hmm. you plan out when it's going to fail, um, which is pro maybe a good Again, you know, like business decision-wise, if you told somebody you were going to give away half your product, they'd be like, you're nuts. Right. If I said, I'm going to make the best version of a thing so that no one ever has to buy it from me again, they'd say, again, you're nuts. Well, what I find is that we like to buy things for other people, too, and maybe we want more than one of a thing. And uh, it really hasn't hurt us that much. No. Is that when you make good things, people want to be a part of what you're doing, and they'll come and seek out more things. And they want to tell your story to other people. I hope they so. want to share it with as many people as they can. I know the number of people that I've said, mm -hmm. hey, you need to go check out Mitscoots. Not only is it a great product, but they're doing a great job. They're doing a great work with it. You need to be a part of this. And so I feel like I'm a part of the Mitscoots story. 
Oh, yeah. Because I tell other people about it. And there's something in me, I think, and not just me, but I think there's something in us where, like, I'm helping this company who's doing a great thing. I'm going to help them do that great thing. That makes me a part of their story, and I'm going to engage somebody else in it. Right. Well, that's that's a you know uh, an even keel approach versus this top down mentality. It's not my company. It's not me and my wife's company. It's, it's your company. It's our company. This is a communal decision. If we decide that we want to help homelessness in this particular fashion, then it will go great. And if not, then that is the will of the people. And maybe some other great ideas will come along. But um, it again, highest common denominator looks like people want to be a part of it which I'm honored to be, again, uh, helping guide that ship as it moves down. But again, I think it's, it goes back to that word hope. Yeah. And it's not just hope like a pie-in-the-sky kind of, man, maybe one day, but it's hope with a plan and hope with action behind it. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things that the fact that you all are a for-profit company is actually reassuring because you can, you have to be able to make money. You have to be able to eat. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to live. And you've got to make money as a company to be able to stay in business to do what you want to do right. beyond business. Yeah. It helps be the uh, arbiter of a lot of different things, and it keeps you in line. And as long as you pick what that, what that end goal is, then the business is the line structure itself. I think as long as I think if you make if you understand that money is a tool, uh-huh. it can really work for you. Right. And and I've just kind of always had in the back of my mind, just personally, you can never be intimidated by money, nor infatuated with money. Yeah. And you've got it. And that I, that for me, those kind of are my guide rails, my my guardrails, intimidated or infatuated. As long as you stay between those two. You pay attention to the details. You pay attention to the dollars because that's that's how you stay in business. That's how you eat. That's how your family survives. Right. But that keeps you that keeps you also keeps you focused on what really matters beyond the dollars. Yeah. Uh, well, for like general, general business, what I saw in society in general is we're really good at doing that at making. Money. Not us personally as a company, we do okay, but, but like as a society, once we decided like this is what matters, not really should matter as much as a lot of people put place on it, um, but we went all in on that. And some of the whole social help didn't necessarily come along with it. And so what we're trying to do is, is show that the two can actually live one along the other uh, and take that very, very driven skill set and put it to really good use and solve both if you can. It doesn't have to be as divergent. And there's a lot of different ways that businesses could help individuals in need. I'm not trying to privatize you know, uh, philanthropy. What I'm saying is that between just only making money and only giving it away, there's a middle road that all three of us could work together on and, and maybe actually accomplish a lot more.